0: Oh, yeah. Bay vibes with a whole lot of laughs. Kicking knowledge on the new podcast. Dad vibes, but we run it with glass. Listen up, show love, homie, it's the second half. Yeah, it's the second half. Hey, it's the second half. Kicking knowledge on the new podcast. Listen up, show love, homie, it's the second half.
1: Um, but anyways yeah like I definitely feed off the crowd and the crowd is my inspiration for trying new things too for example I know that that story that was a that was a um, that fashion show gig I couldn't really see the crowd so I didn't know how they reacted but I'm pretty sure like they were like what the heck is going on but what's funny is the second half of the gig was playing for their like cocktail hour so that was interesting because I didn't have my speaker but they played my music. Through my iphone through the speakers there i didn't have amplification so i was just like playing and praying to god that people know this and then yeah positive reviews you know people were like oh wow he's playing like you know clean bandit on the violin clean bandit was popular mm-hmm. during that time 2014 but um you know i was playing stuff like that so i get positive you know like when i see somebody look at me and then they smile that's like okay that's, like, good. That That's making me inspired. When I see people dancing, I'm just like, yeah. Then I, like, match that vibe, and I start dancing myself. So I do a lot of crazy things. Um, I'll, like, jump around, hop around, depending on the energy. And then when people go, like, woo, like, I do other crazy things, too, depending. I'm like, all right, they're giving me this. I'm going to give you this. Hmm. I'll, like, get my violin, and then, like, I'll play it behind my back or something. I'll do something crazy to get the crowd I saw hype. some of
2: that on your... Yeah,
1: computer. yeah. I love... That's a trick I learned actually in september or october uh, back in september october so my mentor dave um is good at doing tricks like he could like put the bow in between his legs and then he'll like play like that yeah it's really weird i can't do it myself i could do it a little bit but hmm. he uh, i asked him dude like cr- like i wanted to figure out a way to entertain my crowds more because again i'm really crowd-driven Because I want to make people go like, woo, you know, like this guy's different. You know, again, I like standing out. So I always try to figure out a way to stand out when it comes to like playing with electric guitar effects or like doing something crazy with the violin. Anyways, I asked Dave, dude, how do I do that? He just went like, oh man, you know, like, do you know who Willie Hall is? And I was like, who the heck is Willie Hall? And he was just like, look him up. So I looked him up on YouTube. Willie Hall is a violinist from the 1930s. It's like a black and white film of him playing Pop Goes the Weasel and he's doing all this crazy stuff he's like playing in the bow in between his legs like what my mentor does he plays behind his back he'll like lift up the violin like that and play like that he does all this crazy stuff and then one of the tricks i got from watching that video was playing behind my back because i thought that was sick then i learned how to do it uh didn't take me too long but it's hard to do it's really hard to do kind of hurts my back a bit so i don't do it a lot (laughs) but when i do at the moment i'll do that and then he'll like He'll do this. He'll put the bow in between his leg, like sit like this and then play like that. So that's another trick I learned from watching Willie Hall. So shout out to Willie Hall, you know, 1930s. Shout out, 1940s, you know, yeah. like, so that was something I, like, because, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm stuck. Like, I'm like, what can I do to be even better? And then when I found Willie Hall, I was like, wow, okay, now I have, like, another thing I could go to yeah. The stand out, you know. Right. So um, definitely – and then when I do that, crowds go crazy, man. Like when I play behind my back, because people are like, "I've never seen that ever," and I'm just mm-hmm. like, "You're darn right, yeah." It's my first it's time different. hearing about it. Yeah, I've never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: new to me.
2: Interesting. Um, you've been in Have you been in New Orleans? New Orleans? Yeah.
1: Oh man, that's like my dream. Like some one of these days, I'm gonna go. But it's the birthplace of jazz. It's where jazz came from. It's right. a really musical place, you know, Mardi Gras, like right. all that. Yeah, Mardi Gras is like a crazy right. time. Like, I think it happens around February and stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like, Mardi Gras, like, um, I don't know if I'd want to go during Mardi Gras. I heard it gets really crazy. But, I mean, in general, New Orleans, like, you, I would want to go there. You can go during I,
0: the jazz festival. Uh, yeah, definitely. I'd recommend you go
2: during jazz festival. Yeah, I yeah. will.
1: I'm definitely going to. Like, that's definitely, like, on my bucket list mm-hmm. of places to go to. The,
2: the reason I asked, so my first, I, I think it has a little bit to do with uh, showmanship yeah. when it comes to more of the modern vi- uh, your style of violin, yeah, yeah, um, uh, because I, I think maybe there's an expectation from people that the violin is more classical. In yeah, the nature. definitely. And I, I was introduced to a violinist playing hip hop on the streets randomly in the French Quarter. You yeah, know, yeah. playing like you know to some hip hop song in the background. They just rocked the crowd. Literally, there's like me and my brother and a few people when we started. And by the time their show was done at like, and everyone was asking for an encore, like an hour later, there's like, it felt like a hundred people watching.
1: Oh my god! It. And
2: so, like, I guess maybe you have, Do you recognize that? Like, like the kind of people think have an expectation when it comes to oh, the violin, and then you give them this other, mm-hmm. you know, feel to it.
1: That's crazy. You ask that because I literally think that all the time. You know, when I go into a gig, I know everyone's thinking like, "Who's this like small, skinny dude like?" <laughs> Going up on the stage, I think to myself, like, they have no idea what I'm about to do. (laughs) Like, because I know everyone's expectation. Oh, you're going to play Mozart or something or Beethoven? Mm -hmm. Nope. I whip out the, you know, the Doja Cat or something. Everyone's like, what? (laughs) Whip out, like, Snoop Dogg. What? Like, everyone goes insane. Especially the way I play, too. Like, the other thing, too, is when I play the violin, I don't know if you guys noticed the way I play, I don't sound really classical when I play. Like, I try to sound really soulful. Because a lot of my influence, again, is like saxophone players, guitar players. Mm-hmm. So I try to sound like that. I don't try to sound like a violinist. I know it's a violin, but I try to not sound like it as much as I can. Um, soulful phrasing. So this is important for me because um, part of how I got the sound that I have is transcribing. Transcribing in jazz terms is pretty much just learning stuff by ear, like a solo by ear Or like a a melody by you or something. So I would transcribe stuff. For example, I don't know, like a riff from like a famous singer like Whitney Houston or like Mariah Carey. I would learn that on my violin and I would think to myself, how do I make it sound like the vocal? So I would dig into details like with my left hand, like, well, I'm not really going to like vibrate right away because that's not what Mariah Carey's doing. She's kind of sliding into that note, Mm. you know, and then she's kind of sliding down. Like I paid attention to the really small details and I feel like, Doing that made me get my sound, this soulful sound on the violin. So I'm not really. I try not to sound classical as much as I can when I play the violin. I try to sound more soulful. Um, I'll demonstrate. It. Yeah, so please. Pretty much like. Before you, know, you
0: do, you've had that one since 2014. What, what's oh, his, this, her name? This violin. What'd you name it? Oh, Charlotte.
1: Nice. Why, Charlotte. why Charlotte? Charlotte, uh, I like anime, and um, there's a anime called Charlotte that I watched, and I liked it, and then I thought it was a pretty name. Well, I've had Charlotte since 2012, I think. Okay. Or, yeah, yeah, since 2012. I got her as a, you know, a violin going into college. She was like my new violin going into college, you know. And, uh, you know, she's not the best, but, like, she has a lot of sentimental value. She just got reworked. And she sounds a lot better than Mm. she ever has, which is crazy. I'm like, you sound like a new instrument. So, like, you know. um, But anyways, like, yeah, I named her Charlotte because of that anime, pretty much. But so to demonstrate this concept of, like, um, soulful playing versus classical, you know, the classical is, like, a lot of vibrato, like... You know, that kind of sound. But I go, like... You know, try to make it sound vocal, like a soulful singer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like add some soul to it. Mm -hmm. Make it sang. This is like... I, I compare it to this. Like When I hear classical violinists on YouTube try to play soulful music... You know, it's it's really cringe to me because it sounds like it's the equivalent to an opera singer trying to sing like R&B. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about it, they're like, oh, 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 you know, it's like, no, that's not how they sound, man.
2: Like Pavarotti you know? trying to do Luther Vandross. Yeah,
1: yeah, like exactly, exactly.
2: Bruno or John Lewis.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think to myself, well, what can I do to sound more soulful? So it's a lot of like my left hand stuff I try to do. Like um and the way I vibrate, this is called vibrato. You know the classical sound, but I do more like this like and using that blues scale. You know that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. opposed to going like you know, too classical. I'm just like, oh god, when I hear some classical violinist on YouTube try to play pop, I'm just like, that sounds so bad. And then everyone eats it up, though. They're like, oh my god, it's so good. And I'm just like, no, that sounds really bad. But, I mean, <laughs> nobody, nobody nobody, will know that, because they don't have a trained ear, I guess. Right. Which I understand. Yeah. You know, and I, like, you know, like, I see some violinists, you know, I've seen some violinists try to play, like, hyphy stuff, and then like freestyle over it. It's like, I don't know, like, So, like, they'd be playing it like this. And sometimes the classical sound sounds good. I would go like. You know, those slides, like the little subtleties doing that. It gives it more attitude. There's more attitude, like. Opposed to.
3: The. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's the like,
0: thing to it though right? yeah. since they have classical training yeah. they're looking for like this clean almost this is how it was taught to me impact yeah. right but then what you're talking about it's still like the same notes but there's character to it
1: yeah exactly
0: yeah. And soul. I, yeah, it's, it's hard to describe yeah about, yeah a of, yeah
1: yeah exactly it's like my attitude towards it you know it's like it's adding soul to it there's only a few other violinists I know that do it like this, and I'm friends with one of them. Uh, his name is D Sharp. Like, he, D Sharp the violinist. Mm-hmm. And he... I met him through Instagram, because, like, I commented on one of his things, and then he checked out my stuff, and he thought I was good. And then we started talking from that... He's, like, a famous violinist on YouTube. Yeah. And he's one of the best, in my opinion, because he's really soulful when he plays. He has that attitude when he plays. And I feel like a lot of how I learned how to do this stuff, too, was watching him... And, you know, I've hung out with him in L.A., and, like, I remember we were jamming, and I was learning a lot from him, because what he would do, he did, like, he has perfect pitch, so he knows, like, a note immediately the moment he hears it. So he, um, he did, like, an arrangement of, like, Godzilla by Eminem, and he played every rap word, you know, like, on his violin, so his violin was rapping, essentially. But he added his own notes to it, but it was the same rhythm, Mm -hmm. you know, so... I took that concept and I was like, you know what, that's a dope concept. Like, if, like, you know, let's say Drake, right? He's doing a rap verse. I wanted to play Drake's rap verse, but what do I do? Because, you know, like, I can't, like, mimic literally how he sounds when he raps. Okay, I'm gonna, like, play the same rhythm. For example, I don't know, like, a rhythm like, hubba da dubba da da. You know, like, I did that rhythm. Subba the da da. You know, like, I would, like, copy the rhythms and yeah. add my own pitch to it. That's what D Sharp does, and I took that concept, and I was like, "Dude, that's so dope." And then, but D Sharp, he's really accurate because, like, when you talk, we do have pitch naturally. He would get as close as possible, the closest pitch to it, and then he would like do that, do it like that, I guess. And then he would make up his own stuff on the way too. So that concept on its own, like that, like amazed me. I was like, "Okay," and changed my playing forever because now I think like that when I play rap stuff. If I wanted to learn a rap verse, I think to myself, "It's totally doable." Like I and the thing is, I'm making up my own notes with it. Same rhythm, just different, um, just different notes, pretty much. So that's like that concept definitely is like, you know, like um, you can add the attitude too. Let's say a rapper goes like "boobah," you go like blah, you know, you can like mimic that sound, I guess, on the violin too. So it's like a unique approach. It's so modern, you know, mm-hmm. like this this instrument's evolving, you know, and I feel like a lot of people are a lot of the classical musicians they're stuck in the past and they're not open to like new styles being played on it. I get a lot of hate for the stuff I do and the way I play. They like I, these pretentious classical are like, hmm, "You know, it's not Mozart. That's not how you're supposed to vibrate this new you know like yeah, posh uh, posh kind of stuff like that I did. Like
0: I was just gonna say, but you know, if you get stuck there then music would never change. It's, exactly. It's, it's yeah, shit, yeah, right. And Your your guitar influences um, All the All the musical influences you mentioned earlier Charlie Parker uh, Coltrane, Holiday Those all stick out But what would you say are your greatest Inspirations? What make, What's your genetic Makeup in terms of your inspirations?
1: Oh wow, that's hard That's really hard um, I think like the majority of 90s R&B That's why I love Aaliyah so much and, Yes! And like brandy you know like that kind of stuff i feel like a lot of like because i used to sing too and stuff right like you know jeremy passion stuff all that i feel like a lot i'm thankful i was a singer before because it helped me with how i play you know because i was like well i wouldn't sing it like that how would i like make my violin sound like how i sing it you know what i mean um for example like the boy is mine like You need to give it up. It's not, you need to give It's not saying like that, man. (laughs) Like, so how would I mimic that on my violin? You know, so I thought of it like that. So I think 90s R&B is a big part of my genetic makeup of, like, how I sound. Uh, What else is a big genetic makeup? Oh, one of my favorite artists of all time is D'Angelo. If you guys mm-hmm. know who D'Angelo is, Do we? Um, D'Angelo, Does he? D'Angelo, <laughs> so neo soul is a genre. It's like a subgenre of R and B. Neo soul, especially D'Angelo's stuff, it's probably it's one of my favorite things to listen to because the the album Voodoo is one of my favorite albums of all time. And like that album was, it's so unique and like it was part of the influence is from Jay Dilla. and like Jay Zilla. You know, the whole lazy, laid-back kind of, you know, like that That sound is one of my favorite things of all time. When I hear drums that are, like, dirty, like, you know, I'm just yeah. like, oh, my God, you know, with a nice bass line. And then playing, you know, so there's a, there there's an Instagram movement at one point during 2017. These jazz musicians would play bebop kind of-esque lines and improv over these J Dilla beats and that to me like was like my favorite sound for the longest time and I tried to mimic that, like I would play over it, like I used to produce a bit too, I would make a J Dilla beat and mm. I would try to like play over it, like jazz stuff over it mm. and that sound is so like, it's still one of my favorite sounds of all time, but yeah D'Angelo is like the, a root of that you know, like Voodoo, the album Voodoo is a big root of that so I would say like that's a big part of it too like why i play the way i play like the soulfulness i guess so like i would say d'angelo and then um you know i guess like you gotta shout out like Jimi hendrix and van halen and guys like that because a lot of my shreddy like kind of like dirty playing comes from like the rock sound right like really hardcore like rock and roll you know, like Van Halen, like shredding, and then like Hendrix too, doing his blues mm-hmm. stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, those guys are like you know roots of like guitar playing. Yeah. So I think that's a big influence, definitely. Like that makes up part of me, and then again, like the jazz stuff. You know, like Charlie Parker, like you know, like I I love playing that line and stuff, and then like trying to fit it. So yeah, I think those are like big genetic makeups for me, like in terms of my sound. So uh, so
2: you you talked a little bit about. Like you shared when you realized you could actually do this for a living when you were in college, when you were busking. Busking did I say that right? Yeah, busking, yeah. You were busking, I got it. right? And you got your first gig and you're like, wow, I can do this. Yeah. Uh as an artist, as a musician, I'm very curious about when did you realize what your sound was? oh man or or is that evolving like so it's
1: constantly evolving but definitely it's changed a lot over time I listen to old videos of me from 2017 and I'm like oh god I sound like way different it's not as soulful it's more like I'm like trying to force things you know Mm -hmm. back then I think old recordings of me I hear I'm like I'm trying to force things that don't fit I think like getting older I've like matured more in terms of like well I don't have to play here it's fine to not play you know, I felt like when I was younger, I always had to play. But, like, you know, as I got older, I was like, less is more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could literally just go, you know, like a nice soulful line, opposed to like a boo. You know, like I don't do the boo as much as I used to, but I try to just sound good now and be in the pocket, mm-hmm. as musicians call it, like in the groove. Mm-hmm. Like, just line up. Like, you know, if, if something's like. Soon, soon, i'm not gonna go like you know, not anymore a lot maybe i'll fit it in a bit but not a lot i'll try to play more simple you know something more relatable to the crowd and i've noticed this too when i play for crowds when i do shreddy stuff like they do like it but when i like keep going after they stop cheering they're just mm-hmm. kind of like what the hell is going mm-hmm. on you know like uh it's it's like spices it's like adding spice sure. right you know, like you everyone likes some spice but like not too much of it. The right not t- Yeah, not too yeah. much seasoning, like, just the right amount. If you put too much seasoning, it's, like, it's overwhelming. It's overpowering. It's, like, yeah. it's like oh, God, like, I don't know anymore, you know? But, um, so, I guess, like, that's something I've definitely, like, thought about um, growing as a musician. Sure. Like, my evolution of it. Um, I think when I discovered my sound, like, I have a general sound, though, definitely. And I think I discovered that in... I think it was 2017, 2018, when I realized, like, wow, I really am my own player. I think... Okay, here's the cool story. So when I was really big on posting on Instagram, back when the algorithm wasn't as messed up and you didn't have to pay for things as much, um, <laughs> it was more organic. When well, you I have remember-
0: to earn your blue check? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I swore to myself, I'm not getting a blue check unless I earned it. But anyways, um, I... Uh, I saw a video of this guy from, I forgot what country, it was like Indonesia or something, or something like that. Uh, He tagged me in the video and then he said that I really inspired him, he's a violinist. And the way he was playing, it sounded like me. Like he was playing some of the stuff that I would play in his improv, you know, like some of my language incorporated into his. It was at that moment, I was like, whoa, I do have my own sound. Because before I was like, do I have my own sound? Like, am I me? Can people like when people hear me play? Do they know it's me?
3: Mm.
1: When I heard that guy playing and he was playing my licks and stuff, like my ideas, but doing his own twisted, I was like, "Whoa, he's he really was influenced by me." Mm-hmm. And then, like at that moment, I was like, "Whoa, like okay, like I definitely that's like amazing. I that's have a- my own sound." That's a beautiful moment. Yeah, it is a beautiful is moment because I had realized, like, wow, I really am my own player. Like maybe I'm not completely happy with my own sound. "Quote but at least it's mine. It's mine, you know. Like nobody else plays like me because I, uh, I have big, I had big self-esteem issues back then. I used to compare myself a lot um, to a lot of my friends who were really good at playing. Mm-hmm. But later on, as I got older and really thought about it, and then that video too, it made me realize, like, wow, I'm my own player. You know, like there's no comparing here. Like, no. I mean, nobody's gonna sound like me. That's it. You know, and then. Uh, actually, it wasn't until recently that I started really like having more self love and more confidence. Like recently, so at this point, I think like <laughs> I think I'm one of the best in the bay. I mean, you know, like like I'm one of the most unique. Like I mean, like because I, I don't see man. anybody else play like me. Love that, like yo. like You're I'm just that. like I'm owning it, and like it, I'm just being honest. Like if I couldn't back it up, I wouldn't say that. But I mean, I've done so many gigs at this point, like hundreds, where it's yeah. just like I can back it up. You know, it's just. I like, feel like that's
0: when an artist truly becomes an artist when yeah. you feel comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. Back to comparison, I, I was just actually just reminded of a, a quote I heard: "Comparison is the thief of joy."
1: Yeah, right? yeah, I think I saw that quote. Um, oh, definitely.
0: So yeah, definitely when you settle into your own skin and you get to find out, oh shit, this is this is me having fun. But with that example you just gave, someone taking inspiration from you. It's a pretty cool moment to know that you've now contributed to like this timeline of music, right? Mm-hmm. Someone else is Multiverse. Yes. yes. Multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man into this violin world. Um, one other thing I wanted to add, though, when you're naming your inspirations, D'Angelo really sticks out because that album in itself, Voodoo, kind of encapsulates mm-hmm. all of your other influences, right? It does. Mm-hmm. You know one thing I take from your style that you didn't mm-hmm. mention, which I found interesting? I detect a lot of funk in your style oh yeah definitely. I get a lot of yeah, Chucky yeah. Brown and the Soul Searchers you know when you're, when you're playing and you're just kind of rifting like yeah, you yeah. mentioned shredding but I get a lot of that
2: even that, a little Parliament Funkadelic yeah. oh yeah, like yeah a little yeah. Isley Brothers Like you yeah. know
1: that's funny you guys mentioned that like those guys are definitely influenced on me when I was in Berkeley um, I was in the, the P Funk Ensemble Parliament Funkadelic right. Ensemble oh, really? I actually I did vocals in it but I um, they let me play my violin in it too so I was listening to a lot of P Funk, a lot of Parliament during that time, and then Isley Brothers. A funny thing, you mentioned that I met Ernie Isley, and uh, when I was in, you know, when I was in college, because he was cool, like man. a guest speaker. Then I got to see him play live. He played like "Summer Breeze" yeah. and things like that. Um, so yeah, that's funny. You guys mentioned that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's like, uh, that's definitely a part of the influence. Yeah, funk, definitely, no yeah. doubt. James Brown, like, because you
0: have like such a free spirit here playing. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, we were t- talking about it earlier you know music evolves like jazz kind of evolved into funk like they took a lot oh, of definitely funk. took that improv and just went with it so that's that's what i Good detect part. a lot in, Good in how you're playing how you're stringing how you're plucking like you're yeah you're making something existing into something completely brand new
1: yeah yeah and like it's funny you mentioned like with voodoo like voodoo has all those influences jazz funk like all mm-hmm. this stuff like, that's why I love that album so much. It's like a mix of all this stuff. And, like, again, the main thing <laughs> I love about um, Voodoo is the laid-back feel. Like, the Jay Dilla, like. Yeah. It's, and they have amazing musicians on it, you know? Like, mm-hmm. Pino Palladino on bass. Like, I think Questlove, like, produced some of it, too. Like, yep. he was a part of that project. And, like, dude, it's just... And it was recorded on tape, you know, and no, that's why it has like, kind know. of that live vintage sound. I don't know, like, they, that, that album's just, it's just legendary to me. Yeah. Like, I, I could listen, I listen to it when I work, when I'm, like, filing for shows, like, in my job and stuff, for my podcast, for the radio shows and stuff. I always keep it in the background, just playing D'Angelo, it helps me focus, and I'm just bobbing my head. You know, that's yeah. the main thing. If I could, I'll like anything as long as it has a nice groove to it. Doesn't matter, it could be country, it could be, like, whatever. If it, if it has a pocket, if it has groove, I'll like it. Mm-hmm. You know, more or less, I'll like it, definitely. If it doesn't have groove or whatever, like, I'm just like, I don't know how I feel about that. If I can't, you know, I can't bump my head to it, like, I don't know. D'Angelo, De-
0: De- uh, I'll, I'll ask this question to these guys, was a special personality for our time, right? Like, really unique in his own right. So unique that there was that one video where he's just completely naked. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, guys yeah, yeah. were like why do I like this so much?
2: <laughs> there's a little bit, there's a little bit of envy with the abs, yeah. you know. He had like the little
1: V thing. He did. On yeah. Nice little V. Like, we always aspire. try to do that. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was a big, yeah, I read about that with D'Angelo, like, he was a big sex symbol during that time, but he didn't like that though. Yeah, I've read it. D- D'Angelo didn't like that and then he disappeared for a while and then mm-hmm. he came out with Black Messiah, which was around, I think, 2014 or something. Mm-hmm. That album's great too. Oh my God, like, like I was listening to that today, but um, but yeah, like D'Angelo definitely, like yeah, I you know he's definitely there for me, mm-hmm. he's really up there for me. That like, uh, that love video him. made
0: me want to get a gym membership.
1: <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. You know, uh, just
2: random. Do you know Rashawn Patterson? Have you I, heard of some? I don't. You're. Uh, I got to play it later. The yeah, sure. The beat you were beatboxing sounds very similar to the song that yeah, like I, I know. Uh, anyways random uh, oh uh, but, yeah um, but, i'd love to know yeah. uh, but on that on that note um i'm real curious because what i've heard from a lot of musicians and artists uh or what i see and read a lot about is like the ability to have some uh what's the word reciprocity so like uh you, you kind of take in the influence and then you put your spin to it like you talked about yeah.
1: uh uh j uh, sharp d sharp d sharp d sharp
2: sorry yeah. uh Uh, D sharp and how that kind of influenced you. So there's like an aspect of like borrowing or like adapting or, you know, and then, and then, but like putting your spin on it, Right, like I'm just kind of curious how much of that, like, do you, do you see that dude, as actively like, influencing is,
1: what you do, or dude, this is the majority of musicians. Musicians steal from each other all the time, and then they add their own twist to it. I mean, there's like a billion John Mayers like at Berkeley, you know, like oh. everyone wants to be John Mayer, yeah, you know? mm-hmm. so they all sound like John Mayer. Um, but you know, like I, John Mayer's influences were um, Stevie. Not Stevie Ray, I think Stevie Ray Vaughan or mm-hmm. Steve. Yeah, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah, that was his main influence. When really? I
2: listen to Stevie Ray Vaughan. That's interesting. I don't hear the connection be- like, between the two. But when yeah.
1: I when I hear Stevie Ray Vaughan, I hear John Mayer. Like, and I'm just like, huh. oh wow, John Mayer definitely bit off this guy. Like really? no, that, because Stevie Ray Vaughan's a blues guitar yeah. and the mm-hmm. way he sings, like if you hear John Mayer's older stuff, the way he sings especially when he sings like he does a cover of Jimi hendrix's bold as love mm-hmm. he sounds like stevie ray vaughn a bit like so there's gravity like gravity, and gravity like the vocals because yeah. you know that that i don't know i don't want to do a john mayer impression but like it, it's uh, like part. it sounds like stevie ray vaughn to me i'm just like <laughs> wow and you know i read somewhere online john mayer said it himself like his biggest influence was stevie ray vaughn yeah he copied them to the very core and i'm just like yeah i mean musicians Like, everything I play, I mean, a lot of the stuff I play, it's from all these mixtures of musicians I looked up to, like, Charlie Parker, like, I don't know, some singers, maybe, like, Tori Kelly. I used to transcribe a lot of Tori Kelly riffs, so I would, like, try to mimic how, like, she would do runs and stuff on my violin. Like, things like that. Like, I just steal from everybody, you know? And then all that turns into this, like, this one big blob that's me, you know? Like, for example, I would say, like, um... Learning how to improvise is like learning a language. You know, so I've been learning Spanish for the past year. And, like, I've noticed, like, I would steal phrases from people. And I would memorize that. And then I would, like, in learning the grammatical structure, I would, like, fit in words with that phrase, too. And then I made my own sentence. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like that. Like, licks are, like, small ideas you play on a musical instrument, not just a violin. So those are kind of, like, phrases you mm-hmm. You know, and then you... You combine everything, and then like you—you've made your own sentence. You get words, phrases, all that stuff. It's the same with music. Right.
2: What, what's beautiful about that mm-hmm. analogy? Um, knowing musicians uh, and artists, and having read a lot, uh, uh, is the, the notion of like, the universal language. Yeah, and so like you—you saying like there's this blob that's there, but it's really like this thing you can kind of tap into. When I'm kind of curious, like when you're improving, like is that just something or like? Like do you? Uh, you talked about being in the pocket, so a lot of times, like I love that phrase. Like you know, you have a sense of like I don't know, finality to it, right? Yeah. <laughs> like you know, this is gonna go somewhere. Like you said, purpose, intent, yeah, maybe? Yeah, yeah, intent. Um, yeah. But how you get there? I'm just kind of curious for you. Like when you tap into that,
1: um, like what is that like? Oh, dude, yeah. like you just roll with it. Honestly, like it's really so with jazz what I've learned being a jazz musician and when i play with people, you never know what's going to happen. It's all spontaneous. And that's part of what I love about it. Even, like, the mistakes I make or... You know, uh, Miles Davis once said, like, you play a wrong note, play it again. You know, something mm-hmm. like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Miles, like, he he's big on, like, you know, like, making mistakes and then just being like, eh, hey, whatever, it is what it is, you know? Like, he even plays his mistakes again. Like, he'll intent with intent, 10 like he'll play it all over again like like i swear like every gig I'll, I'll be honest with you guys i'm not perfect at every gig i don't nail every gig there's not one gig where like oh it's perfect i always mess up nobody knows because i know how to play it off i've been doing it for years but it's like that's part of the beauty of it if i make the mistake what's gonna happen what am i gonna do about it am i gonna like just stay there and like whine about it and then like just be bad through the whole gig or am i gonna take that mistake and then try to make something pretty out of it right right which is and there's a beauty in it because it's kind of storytelling Mm -hmm. like when you improvise it's like well obviously i'm playing the things i do if i mess up i'm like ah and then i'll like play it again because i'm like you know i'll go with it then i'll try to come up with something new on the spot, and that's what a lot of jazz musicians do. So I do that approach with this pop stuff, with R and B stuff. I don't know. I'll mess up the melody. Like I've messed up melodies so many times where like people are singing longer than I messed it up. Then I did my own thing. Like I just went with it, and then I led myself back into it again. If that makes sense. So it's yeah. kind of like it sounds like it, there was intent, but it wasn't my intention to mess up. But it happened, and I went with it.
2: You mentioned Coltrane as an influence, and so yeah. when I used to listen to Coltrane when I was younger. Yeah. At first, and I think this is when I was younger, I didn't know where it was going sometimes. Like I <laughs> listened to him right? like some of his later stuff after he left Miles. Uh yeah. but then I realized and I think this is something that, that he, he realized too, it's not it's not like where you're going, it's that process. Yeah, it's the right? process. So I love I love the way you describe that.
1: Really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's funny you mentioned Coltrane, because Coltrane at one point, well, to be honest, I don't like his free stuff, like the free jazz album he has, mm-hmm. where he's just literally like him and a drummer. Mm-hmm. That stuff, I'm like, oh yeah, that's a little out for me. It's, it's too out that. there. It's too out there, yeah. but um, I respect it. But yeah, I mean, like, you know. Uh, but that was his process. Yeah, the was yeah his process. that was his process. Like, that's his ascension as a musician. That's where he wanted to go. Um, for me, uh, I don't want to go that deep i just want to play music that feels good that sounds good it's funny you know learning spanish too because i've been introduced to so many other genres too like for example when i was in mexico for two weeks i just came back um i was there for vacation um the the genre that's popular there is corridos tumbados you know and that that genre of music it's like a modern day like I forgot the name of the genre. Man, I need to look up on the history more. But, like, I mean, from mariachi to, like, this sound, you know. It's, like, you know it's from Mexico, mm-hmm. but it's, like, a more modern sound. You know, Peso Pluma, like, guys like that? That's yeah. Corridos Tumbados. That genre is really popular right now. It's popping right now. And, like, I he- I heard it everywhere, you know. Like, And I was just like, wow, that's, that's a really interesting sound. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of getting into that right now at the moment. And I was in the reggaeton for a bit, too. You know, like, Bad Bunny, like, things mm. like that. So I was learning how to play stuff like that. So I feel like I'm constantly evolving with, like, the new genres I'm trying out. Like, I feel like just trying a bit of everything, it'll, like, it sneaks up in your playing. I don't know. Like, I'll be playing, like, over, like, a pop thing. And I'll do some kind of, like, salsa rhythm or something. Because, like, I was listening to salsa, too, at some point. Um, you just take, like, it just comes out. Right. You know, like, you practice the stuff for a while and then you forget about it and then one day when you're just playing it kind of just comes out you're like whoa that came out cool like yeah and I practiced that for a while and then like I forgot about it then it came back that's what they told us in uh, improv class too I remember a student asked one of my teachers Dave Santoro he's a bass player um, they were, he was asking him okay like I'm, I'm transcribing and learning all this stuff but when is it when is it going to come out am I playing like when am I able to just access it it's kind of like learning grammar and stuff for language. And then it's he Dave Santoro pretty much just said you learn the stuff, you forget about it, and then one day you're playing and then it just comes out. You know, so it's like I guess comparing that to language, you learn the grammar, you do all that stuff, you study it for a while, you kind of forget, and then like it kind of just like uh, you f- you learn a phrase or whatever, you practice it a lot, and then you forget about it, then it just comes out in the conversation like out of nowhere. And you're just like, "Oh, I learned that like a year ago and it came out." So that's basically that process, if mm-hmm. that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that makes yeah. perfect sense. I mean, yeah, if you yeah. think about it, there are two great pacifiers, if not unifiers, to, like, human nature. Yeah. One is music. The other one is food, right? Yeah. But those influences, like cultural influences, background, ethnicity, yes. that all comes into play. So it's kind of like the same. You could eat something 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and then all of a sudden that craving pops up out of nowhere. It's kind of like how musical influences develop
1: yeah that's crazy you mentioned that i've had that feeling where it's like i remembered something i ate from a while back and i'm just like i want to try it again even like i don't know food that i've had in my childhood and then i have it again it's like the craziest thing i'm just like i remember loving this as a kid yeah. it's kind of like the snacks you buy uh, i had fruit gushers uh one time like when i was a kid i loved fruit gushers to death and then having it as an adult and being able to buy it whenever i want was like i I, i'm not gonna lie i binged like two boxes of it like and i was just like easily yeah and i was just like i was just like man as a kid my mom never bought me like a lot of these now i'm like a grown man buying like two three boxes and just like you know (laughs) before dinner (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) before dinner like you can only eat it after dinner, and then I'm just Just like, don't
0: leave them in the car on a hot day. Oh, God. Yeah, definitely not. Because then you get one gush.
1: You get one gush. Yep. Pretty much. <laughs> one gross gush.
0: One gross one gush. One gross gush. Yeah. Pretty much. But you know, it, it's amazing hearing you speak about music the way you have, because you basically dissected music. You've broken down your own, right? Yeah. And when we were speaking earlier, you're moving on to production and podcasting. Yeah. So let's segue into that. Tell us what that avenue of your life is like.
1: Oh my god, um, I'm really, so I got this new job, cause, um, oh man, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm like processing it, cause I, I can't believe I've been doing this since September, so you know, I needed, to be honest, I needed more money to do things I want. Um, I gigging's great, and I make, but it's not consistent. You know, there's times where like I don't get work, so it's like, well, what do I do? Even teaching's not consistent. So I was like, well, shoot, I gotta make more money. What do I do? But I I kept trying to think. I was getting big anxiety about it because I was like, oh God, what do I do with my life? I'm not doing anything. I'll be honest, like a year ago, oh man, a lot's changed since a year. Like a year ago, I was like really depressed, <laughs> and like mm. I didn't really know where things were going with my stuff. Um, and then you know, uh, I don't know. I wanted to turn things around, so I was like, "Well, maybe I should learn a new skill, like to be a competent adult." To be honest, I don't feel like the most adulty adult. Yeah, you know? mom still helps me with a lot of stuff, but um, uh, yeah, you know, I was like, "Okay, well, I'm twenty. I'm, I'm like twenty eight. Like, you know, like I need to get it together a little more." Um, so uh, my boss, who works at the Castro Valley School of Music. Um, I work at two schools, Viva Music Center and Castro Valley School of Music. I live in Castro Valley right now. So um, my boss that works there, Shane Sharkey, he's like the guy who owns the school. But anyways, I went up to him one day and um, I said, hey, like, can you give me a job doing admin work besides just teaching? I'd love an opportunity to do that. And then Shane was like, whoa, uh, actually, I have something better in mind. And then it's funny. I feel like I got to shout out the God, man, because, like, I prayed about it. I was like, man, like, what do I do in my life? Like, can I, like, please take me somewhere that's, like, cool, you know, like, where I can make money and still enjoy it to an extent. So I, like, I, I took a chance and asked my boss, and he just said, okay, how about this? I teach you how to be a radio producer, and I teach you how to use Pro Tools. And you could learn, and you have to do some admin work, too, on top of that. How about that? Because I didn't know my boss. He had a, he has a second company called Big Toe Audio, And that company is actually what pays for the school, what keeps the school alive. So I was just like, oh, shoot. Like, this is crazy. So he gave me that job, and then I started off with really simple things, like just filing things and, you know, like, um, transferring files to, like, folders. Like, you know, basic office stuff. And then using Pro Tools, editing audio. So that was scary because... you know in in my school in berkeley college of music they teach you how to use pro tools but i was a performer i didn't do any of that stuff i didn't think i would be producing or using like a DAW. I mean i use the logic but like not really like heavy so when i started using pro tools it was the most intimidating thing because pro tools is notorious for being difficult to use but it's really like surgical and really accurate with like editing and manipulating audio so i was like well i can't believe i'm learning this for free You know, my boss literally taught me how to do it. He would, like, give me segments from hosts. So the shows we do, they're financial shows, like, you know, retirement income shows, like, with financial (laughs) fiduciaries. I know, like, I didn't even know what that word meant until I started doing this job. (laughs) But, like, these financial advisors from, like, different states, like, you know, we have over, like, 50 hosts or Mm -hmm. something, um, and we make shows for them. They turn in audio, and then we make a show out of them, that, that audio, like, these segments they send us. You know, they use Audacity, Yeah, you know, the record. Anyways, my boss gave me my first piece of audio to edit, and I was like, oh, God, I don't know what to do. And he was walking me through the process, like, okay, like, um, you hear this? Like, we tell our hosts to say 3-2-1 when they mess up. Make sure you delete this part and blah, blah, blah. Make sure you clean up, add a fade here and here so we don't hear, like, the click in the end of the audio or whatever. Hmm. Things like that. And I didn't know any of that. Uh, now I know so much about it, you know, doing that process so you're getting I, yeah. the complete rough recording then. Yeah, yeah. It's like a rough recording. We like we don't, we don't mix or anything. We don't mix the audio or whatever. Like, they just record from home with a Blue Yeti mic or whatever, and we just do it from there. I hope to learn how to mix a little bit. I kind of have a rough idea because I have friends that are producers who taught me stuff. But I mean, like I, I'm still learning Pro Tools. Like I don't know how to do everything through Pro yeah. Tools. But anyways, at least I know how to edit and manipulate audio. It's funny because a lot of the backing tracks I download from YouTube, like I've edited them with Pro Tools. Before I had this problem where it's like, oh, this track's too long. Like I don't want to be playing like this track for five minutes, right? Like so I wouldn't play the song. I wouldn't download the instrumental because I was like, ah, it's too long. But now I do because I know I can use Pro Tools to manipulate it and end it where I want it to. Mm-hmm. So now I make now I could edit the backing tracks the way I want, or maybe like the the song starts right away. I add an intro. You know, I get add an intro so I have time to set up and get ready for the song. Because I used to have backing tracks like that where it starts right away and it's like, well, I don't have time to like get ready for the first word or note. But now I know how to edit that. And like, because my boss has taught me how to edit like music too, like in general. So that's been one hell of a journey. And like, I'm so thankful for it. And I hope, and well, actually how it all started, I posted on my Instagram. I said, i had this idea of starting a podcast about soulful violin playing and i would like you know i'm friends with a lot of these people in the violin community who are like contemporary players mm-hmm. so i thought about making a podcast where i would interview them and like i had my own ideas like my own segments like an interview one and then a playing section and then a breakdown mm-hmm. so that was like my idea and the podcast would be like the soulful violinist someone who doesn't play like a classical player who sounds soulful when they play mm-hmm. you know and like getting to know them sounds like a hit yeah so i was talking is there anything like that have you heard it? no no, like no never yeah. i've never heard of anything like Definitely that sounds like a hit. yeah so don't steal my idea but anyways uh. um but uh yeah so i i posted about it on my instagram story and my boss was like hey nate like i like your idea like you know like i actually like work in radio blah 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 um, I didn't really think about I, I I think I ignored my boss's message when he sent me that. Like, but then um when I asked him for the job he mentioned it. And then what's funny is my boss told me, like, you know, Nate, honestly, I really like I was I really wanted to get you in on this actually. It's funny that you asked me about this. I've been wanting to have you in this for a long time, but I always thought you were too busy. And I was just like, Whoa, that's crazy how that works. So I felt like it was destiny. I was like, Okay, yeah. Doors man. are opening. Yeah, so I You know just started learning how to edit audio and i'm still learning i've messed up so much i've sent like wrong shows to the hosts i've like you know like cut off like a segment that i shouldn't have you know like i made a i forgot to cut out like an edit or something like a host going like (laughs) like and then like that airs in the radio (laughs) like i'm just like yikes but you know my boss will just tell me like don't do that again and then that's it he hasn't fired me because i've had like moments where i'm like am i gonna get fired and then my boss is my boss understands though because He threw me in the fire, man. Like, I didn't know anything. I had no background. Usually the people he hires, they they need to have a background in Pro Tools, all this stuff. For me, he gave me a chance. So I was just like, okay, nice. Well, I still want to do the violin thing, but I feel like it's a useful skill to have. I'm not super passionate about radio producing, but I feel like it's the tools necessary to be able to do things I want. Like, for example... I want to produce on Pro Tools eventually, Mm -hmm. so maybe, like, make music again, because I used to do it on Logic, but I stopped, but I want to get back into it, and then also um, making my own podcast. I know how, if I wanted to, if I really wanted to, I know for a fact I can make my own podcast, like, really, from scratch. Like, I would make my, I would get a mic, record my own intro, I would, like, put music over it, you know, like, I know how to edit the music and put it in with my voice, um and then i just record a segment or whatever and then i put my own show ending and then that's it then i have a podcast right there you know like things like that or i could do it like this style where we just record everything and then edit from there but but yeah i've like learned a lot from the job definitely but i i feel like i can learn more so that's pretty much it for the radio producing podcast stuff and i'm making you know and i'm making more now so that's nice um <laughs> definitely that's nice dude be- but before we
2: wrap and segue so you haven't had an opportunity to do your your soulful violin segment yet
1: i haven't yeah i haven't had a chance to do it yet i feel like i want to really get my skills going with this stuff because my boss was telling me to like yeah like all this stuff you're learning how to do like this is how we'd be making podcasts because my boss has big visions like he wants to like start a podcast network he wants to get people on this podcast network and he wants to like i don't know he was pitching these ideas to me and like he's working towards that so i was just like okay i believe in that okay i'm with it i don't want to i mean i want to be known as a podcast guy like i mean these are i'm just part of this company and like you know like we'll see how it goes you know like um and but i really like it i'm gonna be here for i'm gonna be there for a long time definitely but like um, and I'm learning a lot from the process, but I, I want to be a violinist, right? Through and foremost, and, and to be honest, I do want to be a teacher when I'm older, when I'm like an old head. Like I'd want to be teaching, because I'll be honest with you guys, performing's tiring, and like I feel like, and maybe like, you know, some years I'm fi- I'm probably gonna get tired of it, you know, at some point, because it's it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It's really demanding um, to be a performer. So I feel like... And I do enjoy teaching. I just don't like teaching little kids the basics because it's boring. Like, I want to teach somebody who's, like, an experienced violinist, and they want to learn how to do what I do. They're just like, oh my god, Nate, like, I love how you play. Like, how can I do it? They already know how to play. They just want to learn how to do what I do. And that's really fun because I've taught violinists like that. It's really fun. Like, I find a lot of joy teaching a violinist how to play the blues or whatever. And they're just like, wow, I could play this and this I didn't know that thank you and I'm like no problem opposed to a little kid oh okay make sure you stand straight and they're just like running around in circles and like (laughs) yelling and stuff and I'm just like my head hurts and having to hear twinkle twinkle played like (laughs) 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 over and over again for years you know when people when I tell people I'm a teacher and I teach the violin they're just like wow you have a lot of patience I'm like I do I do and that's one thing I'm proud about being a violin teacher because I've built a lot of patience because I can't just yell at a little kid like you suck like stop playing like that you can but <laughs> you know, game, like, game over heart. you're fired yeah.
0: you know that's you know, like- funny I tried teaching my daughter the violin <laughs> from scratch yeah and you know this because you were just talking about it twinkle twinkle is like the first thing they learn yeah I took that for a week and I was like you know what do you like volleyball <laughs> <laughs>
1: Move
3: on from wrong this. V. <laughs> wrong, v. Yeah.
1: wrong V. I, I meant volleyball. <laughs> no, I swear. Like the scree, like I've gotten used to listening the beginners play, like the screechy, scratchy tone. Like, but you know, um, I tell a lot of my friends about it, or people. When I tell people I'm a teacher, they're just like, "How do you like deal with that?" I don't know. I've built I've built a tolerance for it, but definitely it does get tiring at one point, especially Zoom lessons. I taught a Zoom lesson today. <laughs> Oh my god it's like the most stressful thing like i'm just like because you know i'm a hands-on guy i like like ta- like moving the students around like okay you got to do this and this here let me move your hand here this is the right way can't do that in zoom i have to like explain it and i'm just like oh my god can i just like make you do it like you know <laughs> like instead of them going like eh, eh, like yeah. no i said play third finger that second finger, play third. You know what third is? It's this finger right here. <laughs> yeah. And then they still play it wrong. I'm just like, oh my god, yeah. like can I just be there? Like, you know, so that's one of the struggles being a teacher. But um, again, I would like to teach when I'm older. Like the way my Berkeley professors were, that's the kind of teaching I wanna do. Teaching experienced players how to play even better or learn a style they've never played before. That's fun. To me, not teaching Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Like, mm-hmm. That I, yeah. I'm, I'm so done. I'm over it. Yeah. But, but
0: that'd be dope if you find your way back to the East Coast and maybe I was gonna say, do a stint there. Yeah. yeah. Have you maybe. Yeah.
1: You considered that, Berkeley
0: or another? Yeah, degree? yeah.
1: I mean, I don't have a teaching degree. That's the thing. Well, actually, you don't really need a teaching degree. I mean, you would just, like, for Berkeley, right? My teacher, Daryl Anger, he ne- he doesn't have a degree in anything. He's just, like, a famous musician in the, in the violin mm-hmm. world. And they hired him. You know, so I'm thinking like, well, maybe if I like get a little bigger and build a bigger rep, I could like get an opportunity like that someday. Like one of my big goals in life, like right now at the moment, right now at the moment is to play with a big artist, you know, at least once or do like a big gig. You know, I put it in my vision board like I want a big gig, like playing for the Warriors, yeah, you know, yeah. like, you know, something like that, something, you know, when people get big gigs they get so many more opportunities. The fact, if you say like I played for the Warriors, gigs on gigs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a friend who's a violinist. She's great too. Her name's Rose, and she, uh, I met her not too long ago online. I've never met her in person, but we exchange gigs and stuff. Like you know, we give each other gigs and all that. She's played for the Warriors, and like she, she just plays the violin, and she, and she get, and she has her own place in San Francisco, dude. Like just playing the violin and i'm just like well that's my dream like i yeah. hope i could do that eventually someday but you know maybe maybe i'm doing marketing wrong maybe i'm like but i don't have a manager like i don't know maybe that's another thing like these are other like aspects of the business i need to explore but i know for a fact i'm such a dope violinist already yeah. like i'm already i already know how to play I we can vouch to- for that yeah. yeah. I'm already good at what I do. It's just the logistical aspect. I, I mean, yeah, I've done well getting gigs from Instagram, but it's like, but how do I reach the next level? How do I get the big gig? Sure. It's not just luck. Like there's got there's connections and all this other stuff. You don't have to be good to get a big gig. You just have to know the right people. And that's right. something I've yep. been trying like yeah. I've finally accepted because before I was like, no, like if I'm really good and I practice hard like no 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 no, you don't have to be really good you just gotta know the right person
0: well this is a good moment for you to not just find the right person but hopefully find that right big gig so can you share with our listeners how best to get in touch with you
1: with me Mm -hmm. okay you can find me at Nate Ganti N-A-T-E-G-A-N-T-I on any social media look me up on TikTok uh, TikTok, um, you know Instagram Uh, what else, SoundCloud, YouTube, all that stuff, Um, you just type my name, N-A-T-E-G-A-N-T-I, Nate Ganty, so that's it, so just type that, and then you'll find me, so, uh, and yeah, all my email information, phone number is there, and just contact me, book with me, and talk me, and we'll see what's up awesome
0: man mate awesome. thank you for sharing so much of yourself with us man we wish you nothing but the best because you are dope at what you do thank you and thank you for making thanks for having the me. violin such an experience for 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 many new people hearing it played the way you play it for the first time pleasure having you
1: thank, thank you yeah, guys was great, this was awesome thank you awesome man thank you man
2: uh,
3: thank you brother
0: From running all the courts, SF, to the town. Dead bars, now we're just running our mouths. Barbershop talk, rocking the spot. Got you thinking these opinions all coming in hot. Lifelong bond has the convos flow. Time just goes, constant growth. Straight from the base, spreading knowledge and laughs. Listen enough, show love, on me. it's the second half.